Welcome everyone to the church today. Welcome to Infuse Church. Great to be here with you. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, obviously my name is uh, Gary, along with Jane, my wife, we pastor the church here. I've uh, been pastoring now for uh, 18 years as senior pastors here at the church. Uh, we've been in the church for 28 years. Uh, so uh, we've been around a little bit, uh, seen the paint colours change somewhat. That's, that's great. So it's really good. But I'm just going to launch into uh, this morning's message and we're going to go for a, a bit of a ride. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message this morning. I thank you that uh, you empower me to speak this message with conviction, with passion. But Lord, I also pray that there comes a, a moment, a, a ta-da, ta-da moment in all of us where we come to realize something powerful about what you're doing, what you put in us, and the change that can happen in our lives if we'll grasp this whole thing about a rise in this year. And I thank you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I want to talk this morning about um, a rise. It's something that I believe is a prophetic word for this year. It has been a prophetic word for this year. The whole thing about a rise is something, I, and I've taken different aspects of it uh, and, and things like that. But this morning I want to talk about a rising in adversity, to arise in adversity. Christian author John Ortberg says this. He says, God could have let Moses stay in the splendor of Pharaoh's courts. God could have kept David away from Goliath. He could have kept Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the fiery furnace. God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Elijah away from Jezebel. He could have kept Nehemiah out of captivity. He could have kept Jonah out of the whale. could have kept John the Baptist away from Herod and Esther away from being threatened. God could have kept Jeremiah from being rejected. And he could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked. But he didn't. But he didn't. See, God used these trials to bring people closer to himself and to develop perseverance character and hope in them and this morning as we read James chapter 1 verses 2 to 4 we're told to consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also, here it is again, rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. James says to consider it pure joy in facing trials. And Paul says to rejoice in our suffering. And it's right about now that we will roll our eyes. We're going, have a big and we'll say that James and Paul are either high on drugs, have suffered some form of a head injury, or they're, 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 you know, they're, just, they're not living in the real world. 
But there's this, here's the issue. If this is the way that we are to see hardships, suffering, adversity, and trials, then maybe there's something that we're not seeing that we should. Maybe times when, when things get tough, you know, different, they get difficult, they're, they're unjust, and we suffer. May, many want to give up and blame God for everything, but what if we didn't give up? What if we made the decision to keep going and we drew closer to God? What if we persevered and we weathered the storms? What could God do in us? See, Jesus also had something powerful to say about the adversities that we face in life. In Matthew 16, verse 24, and it's talking about like uh, in fo- no, lay down your cross, pick, pick up your cross, whatever, and daily and follow me. The, the message version of that says this, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. He said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow it. Follow me and I'll show you how. What incredible words from our Lord Jesus Christ to say, rather than running away or wishing that suffering didn't happen, but he says to actually, to embrace it. But in the embracing, he says to follow him and he will show us how to follow him and embracing the suffering at that time. See, Jesus, Paul and James all encourage us not to give up or give in, but to persevere. It's, you know what, sometimes it's, it's really easy to, to, to be a Christian in, in the good times when everything's going great. Our kids are angelic. Our boss loves us. The teacher thinks that we are a genius. Our wives swoon when we walk in the room. And our husbands, they've hit the gym, they've buffed up, and they're hot. It's so easy to be a Christian in those times. But then we woke up. And in the great words of Daryl Kerrigan from the castle, he says, tell them they're dreaming. It's so often, it's easy to pray and read the Bible and to go to church when everything's bonza, mate. She's right. It's going great. But what about when a pandemic hits or people lose their job or are going to lose their job or our health is challenged and there's a bully at school maybe and we are the target of their bullying? The Bible says to consider it pure joy when facing trials of many kinds, to rejoice in our suffering, not to run from adversity, but rather to embrace it. How on earth do we do that? It's likely that many of you here have heard today about something called post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD, for short, is a psychiatric disorder that may occur in people who've experienced or witnessed a traumatic event, such as a natural disaster, a serious accident, a terrorist act, maybe uh, they've, they've been a part of and, and been involved in war or combat, maybe they've been raped or someone who's been uh, threatened with death, sexual violence or serious injury. There's also something that I heard of recently from our Bible study that we do on a, on a Monday evening uh, through the Acts uh, Bible School that we, we do and through our online portal, through our, our website. There's something called 
not just, it's not post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's called post-traumatic growth. Let me say, post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is similar to something called kintsugi. Now, have a look at the picture here. It's an old Japanese art of fixing cracked pottery. Rather than hiding the cracks, the technique involves rejoining the broken pieces with lacquer that is mixed in with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. So when it's put back together, the whole piece of, of pottery looks as beautiful as ever, even while owning its broken history. Many facing adversity wonder if they'll ever be normal or have a life again. If the broken pieces of their lives can be put back together with dignity and with grace. And I want to say that the science behind all of this suggests that not only will we recover, but we will demonstrate this hum great human capacity for resilience and for growth. We will persevere. And for, if you're going through something today, can I encourage you right now, just say out loud, I will persevere. I'm coming through this. I'm not camping in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm coming through this. I will persevere. See, many who experience trauma, such as being diagnosed with a chronic or terminal illness, losing a loved one or experiencing sexual assault, not only persevere, but they actually thrive in the aftermath of that traumatic event. Most people who experienced post-traumatic growth certainly preferred not to have had that trauma, but are also surprised by the unexpected growth that they began to sense as a result of their trauma. There's a gentleman by the name of Rabbi Harold Kushner. He's the author of a, a book uh, called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. His son died from a, a disease quite early in life. And he says this, as he reflected on the death of his son, he says, I'm a more positive person, a more effective pastor, a more sympathetic counsellor because of Aaron's life and death than I'd ever have been without it. And I would give up all of those gains in a second if I could have my son back. If I could choose, he says, I'd skip all the spiritual growth and depth which has come my way because of my experiences, but I just can't choose that. I want to say right now, make no, no doubt about this church, that trauma rocks our world. It seriously does. Yet it is completely possible to arise in adversity. Here's four benefits I want to explore this morning about arising in adversity as we go through life. Number one, that adversity can actually reveal hidden abilities in us. Adversity can reveal hidden abilities in us. In Matthew chapter 16, we, we read a story where Jesus has asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And in response to that, Peter has replied, well, you are the Son of God. You're the, the, the Son of the Most High God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. 
And, and, and in verses 17 and 18, Jesus replies, he says to, to Peter and the guys there, he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. See, Jesus says to Simon in response to his revelation of exactly who Jesus is, it, 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 it was Simon the reed the easily bent one, the, the one that's easily swayed. It's this disciple who's had this revelation. And, but here's the exciting thing of, about this passage. Peter the rock was hidden inside Simon the reed. There was something hidden within the life of Simon Peter that was revealed as a result of the adversity that he went through. See, the adversity of Simon's denial of Jesus, then seeing Jesus, the very person that he believed in, that he knew was the Messiah, that he knew he was the Christ. He knows he's, this is the person that he's seen, his, his, his hero, his master, his Lord, crucified and killed. But it would also later pave the way for Peter to stand on the day of Pentecost and declare that Jesus lives. Because Peter was always in Simon. Peter was always in Simon. But it took adversity to reveal Peter in Simon. Simon the reed denied Christ. But the adversity and the baptism of the Holy Spirit revealed Peter the rock as a fully devoted disciple of Jesus. Adversity saw Joseph from the Old Testament go from prisoner to prime minister in Egypt. The prime minister was always in Joseph, but he had to go through adversity to be revealed as the prime minister. He went from prisoner to prime minister in a day. There's something hidden in us all that adversity can reveal. Maybe it's a seed of faith, a mustard seed of faith that's hidden inside of you. Maybe it's a word from God that's been hidden in your heart. Maybe it's a vision of a preferred future that you're going to start to align your life with to, to see that vision come to pass. Maybe it's the birth of a ministry, something that you've been through as a result of your adversity that says, I want to help other people to navigate their way through their life as a result of what they've gone through. It's something that says to you that I'm not going to waste that adversity. I'm going to use it for the glory of God. The devil tried to take me out, but I'm not going to let him take, him, take me out. I'm going to bring glory to God. There's a ministry within you that is waiting to be launched because of the adversity. It's hidden within you, but it takes adversity to bring it out. Maybe there's a mission to a nation. You, you have a heart for people that don't look like you or smell like you, don't eat the same food as you. But there's something the Spirit of God is saying to you. There's a, there's a call to go overseas. There's a, a call to be a missionary to some people somewhere in some nation. Maybe it's to, peak, to, to uh, a people to speak to. Maybe there's a business to launch. In particular with this whole thing that's going on around the world right now, people are losing their jobs. But just maybe, just maybe, God's got something in store for you to raise you up to, to launch a business as a result of it. What's, what's God saying? To, come on, church. What's God saying to us in this adversity? There is so much more 
than what we're seeing. Maybe we need to just dig a bit deeper about what's happening in our life right now because something's happening. There's, we need to arise in this adversity and not to, to, to be crushed by it. There's gifts, abilities and talents that God's hidden in us waiting to be revealed. You see, some plants such as the eucalyptus and the banksia, they have cones or fruits that are completely sealed in resin. And these cones or these fruits can only be opened to release their seeds after the intense heat of a bushfire has melted the resin. It takes the, the fire and the heat from that bushfire, something that we think maybe was going to destroy the bushland completely. That fire is the very thing the, 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 the wilderness, the bushland needs to be released and to grow and to flourish. Trials, hardships, suffering and trouble is the crucible of fire and heat that is waiting to release the hidden things that God's put in our lives. What's God hidden in your heart? What's God put in your spirit? What's God put in your mind that he's wanting to release as a result of this? Secondly, adversity can deepen our relationships. Adversity can deepen our relationships. Adversity not only reveals our relationships, adversity can deepen our relationships. The Lord allows stuff to happen, but we never go through stuff alone. We should never go through stuff. Let me, we should never go through stuff alone. We need to, re, to lean into the relationships that we have, in particular the one with God. It's in the, the midst of adversity that we'll see God at work and feel His presence as we walk through the adversity. Matthew 28 verse 20 says, And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He says, And surely I am with you always. And surely I am with you always. I looked up the meaning of the Greek word always. Guess what? It means always. Surely you saw that coming. Sure. You should know me by now. 17 years. God is always with us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God lives within us. It should do. Is the temple that is the Holy Spirit, is it filled with the Holy Spirit? Isaiah 30, verse 20. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, He will still be with you to teach you. You will see your teacher with your own eyes. In the adversity, this, this, this passage has adversity as, as a part of the, the whole thing. Oh, there, there was a ripper. Praise God for Google. In the, the adversity, he will still be with you to teach you. What is he going to teach us? How to navigate adversity. How to navigate our way through adversity. Here's the, another thing. It's also in adversity that we get to know who our real friends are. You, you get to know who your real friends are. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother or a sister is born for adversity. 
David needed Jonathan. Daniel needed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus had Peter, James, and John as that threesome there that, that, that he had. Paul had Timothy, Titus, and Barnabas. Who do you have? Who do you have? See, there's four things that we need from someone when we're going through adversity. Just four things. Number one, for them to be there with us. To be there. It's the ministry of presence. Just to be there. Secondly, for them to lead you to Jesus, not away. If you're going through adversity, you don't need to go to the pub with them. You need to go to your knees with them. Thirdly, for them to go the distance with you, not to walk away, but to be there. Again, it's the ministry of presence. And fourthly, for them to be honest with us, not to stroke our ego or to skirt the truth. If we're being a bit you know, of a drama queen about something, then they need to be able to tell us that. Is that fair? I'll go over this side because they said, yeah. <laughs> we need to, people to tell us the truth. Hey, come on. When was the last time you read your Bible? When was the last time you worshipped? I need someone to challenge me in those areas. Hey, how about you come back to church? How about you get into a connect group? How about you, you serve? You know, one of the greatest ways to get your eyes off your own circumstances is to serve someone else. To walk and do something together with other people. But that's another message. See, here's, here's, here's the thing. If you don't have a friend, be one. If you don't have a friend, be one. Number three. So not only can adversity reveal something that God's hidden within us, not only does adversity help us to dig into our relationships together, but adversity can change our priorities and helps us to change our priorities. Adversity can help us discover what really matters in life. What we thought was important before the adversity, we find out just really isn't. It, that, that's, that's not really the focus of what I need to be doing right now. Our walk with God may be easier in seasons where, where there's nothing going wrong, but our walk with God goes deeper and closer when adversity hits. Getting into the presence and promises of God becomes a priority in adversity. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes you, we've just got to fight a fight, fight of faith. It's just continuing to believe that God's got good plans for my life. It's just believing that the power of the, the Word of God is active in my life. There's a fight for your faith in the middle of adversity because it's so easy to make a new doctrine over what God's not doing, but it's so hard to fight the good fight of faith and to hang on to the Word of God, to hang on to the promise of God. There's a fight of faith that needs to be fought in the middle of adversity becomes a priority for us. It becomes a, a priority for us to begin to continue to worship when we don't feel like singing anymore. It, it becomes a fight of faith to laugh in the face of the enemy when he's trying to take you out. There's a fight of faith that needs to be fought. And what we need to be praying for in this moment is, Lord, give me the courage and the strength to fight this fight. 
Give me that word to stand upon your word and to see the enemy defeated. I'm going to bring glory to God with what I'm going through right now. I'm going to bring glory to God. There's a fight of faith. It's why we've got the armour of God. What did you think? We were going to a tea party. There's a fight on. Get your gear on. Your shield of faith, your sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation. Make sure your, your britches are, are held on with the belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. And then what do you do? You pray and you stand. How do you stand? Shoulder to shoulder with those friends who are real friends with you. Shoulder to shoulder. You're not getting to me. In fact, you've got to go through my mates to get to me. And you've got to go through me to get to my mates. There's a fight of faith, church. It says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many, uh, many witnesses. Take a hold of the, the eternal life. Start to focus on the eternal, not the, the temporal, the thing that you're going through. Start to just believe that God has got great things in store. Again, when adversity hits, it's not time to sit down drinking pina coladas. There's a fight on. It's time to fight, to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Matthew 6, 33 out of the Message Bible says this, steep your life, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Another way of saying this is to immerse or to infuse. To infuse ourselves in the reality of God, in the prompting and the nudges of God, and to use what God provides. It's, it's, it's knowing that God is real. It's knowing that He's right there with you. And at times He's going to nudge you. He's going to give you a, a prompt. He's going to drop a scripture in your heart. He's going to drop a, a, a friend's name or a number in your heart. It's following those things. And then we're going to find that we just use what God provides. We use that word. We, we access that friend. We, we do what God's asking us to do. And we find that we're going to make it through the adversity because we've realigned our priorities. Our priority now is not on our comfort, but on our character. Wow. See, when adversity hits, our priority is to arise, to activate our connections, to ramp up our worship, to invest our gifts, to stretch our faith, to engage with our communities. It's a prophetic declaration for this year and moving forward about how we can get through adversity in our life. Our priority, Jane and myself, we are setting ourselves up that the priority of our lives is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God extending and growing in this area in the Adelaide Hills is our priority. In 2022, we are setting ourselves up deliberately to experience and to see the kingdom of God come to this church. 
Can I tell you? It's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a step of faith to do what God's asking us to do. It's our highest priority to align ourselves with His agenda. Getting our priorities right. Fourthly, before I really get wound up. It's about the seed God's put in you. Something, a hidden ability, skill, talent, gift. It's about the relationships, that we can go deeper in our relationships. It's also aligning our priorities. And fourthly, adversity points us to a hope beyond ourselves. A hope beyond ourselves. John chapter 16 verse 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me, this is Jesus talking, he says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. There's a hope that we can attach ourselves to. We can grip with the hand of faith because we're going to fight. Lord, you've overcome the world. And I'm going to attach myself to you. Adversity comes in many, many forms. Physical, emotional, relational, financial, but hope comes in one, Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. If you are going through a relational difficulty, then get on your knees as a couple, as a, as a husband and wife, and start to pray for your marriage, seeking and giving forgiveness in that relationship. Get on your knees. Don't start continuing to, to fight and bicker. You're just siding with the enemy who's trying to split you up and bring division into your marriage. Don't allow the, the devil to come into your marriage. Get on your knees and pray for your marriage. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your kids that they'll be unaffected by the stuff that's going on. I don't doubt that there's some serious stuff going on in, the, in the, the relationship or the home, but get on your knees and get an answer from the one who can give you the answer, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16 says, Now that we know what we have, Jesus. Do you know what you have? Do you really know who you have? Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. He says we, we don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. God knows what you're going through. He knows what's happening in your world. He knows what's happening in your workplace. He knows what's happening in your school. He knows what's happening in your teachers' lives. He knows what's going on and around you. He's not unaware. He knows exactly what you're going through. So focus on Him. Fix your eyes on the hope that you have in Jesus. He's been through weakness and testing, it says. Experienced it all. All but sin. So let's walk right up to Him and get what He is so ready to give. The answer to your relational problem is found in Jesus. The, the answer to your financial problem is found in Jesus. The, the answer to your health problem is found in Jesus. There's no other name by which man can be saved but the name of Jesus. This man's healing came not because we prayed for him, but because of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
Let's walk right up to him and get what we, he's so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. Adversity is hard. It's tough to get ahead. I get that. Or think straight or believe that we're going to make it through the hardship, suffering or, or trials that we're in. But if we we'll commit to going the distance, to persevering, then this season will end. The hardship will pass. The suffering will diminish. The trial will end. But our faith and our life in God will have grown. See, we can grow in adversity. There's post-traumatic growth. The thing that you're going through is not meant to bury you. It's meant to actually enlarge you and build you. Adversity can reveal hidden abilities in us. It can help our relationships go deeper. Adversity helps us to get our priorities in the right order. Adversity can connect us with the hope beyond ourselves. We may look like a piece of cracked pottery, but in the potter's hands. He can be trusted to create something beautiful and something wonderful in and through us. Let's stand. I'm done. Thank you, Father. As I was preparing this message, there's only one thing I'm going to pray for. But I'm going to get you to make the declaration. I, I, it would be very easy for me to, to pray for people in this moment. And, and I'm open. If you want some prayer out the front after, hey, I'm good for that. But I believe that God wants us to declare so that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So, as, as we, we, th we think about this, I want you to declare something because as you hear it, I believe faith will start to arise. Courage will be gathered. Strength will come flooding in. Peace will flood your mind and your heart and your soul. The declaration is simple. I'm going to arise and persevere. 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 Why don't you say that to yourself? Speak it out loud. I'm going to arise and persevere. I'm going to arise and persevere. I believe that God has put seeds in me. I believe that God has put gifts, abilities, vision. He's put ministry in my heart. He's put a heart for my boss in my heart. And this adversity, though He's starting to take me out and demote me, I'm going to rise. I'm going to arise because God's put something inside of me. I'm going to lean into my relationships. I'm going to lean into the people that are around about me. I'm going to lean into my God because my God is my hope. I'm going to rearrange my priorities to, to reflect the kingdom mentality, a kingdom expansion. 
I'm going to rearrange my... God, you are my priority. I I ask your forgiveness for not making you my priority. Lord, I I ask you to... I I repent of my wrong thinking, my wrong understanding. And I ask you that in the name of Jesus, you'd help me to align my priorities with the kingdom mindset, with what's on your agenda. And Jesus, you are my hope. Jesus, you are my hope. And I place my hope in you today. Hope of a better future, hope of a stronger future, hope of breakthrough, like the song we sang before. I put my hope in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every person here would sense the wonder of your presence, the wonder of your word, the wonder of your embrace, the wonder of your peace, the wonder of your health, the wonder of your financial breakthrough, the wonder of of the emotional strength that we need to go through this. I thank you, Lord, right now they feel the armour of God upon them, Lord Jesus. Invade me, Holy Spirit, now. Invade my mind, invade my spirit, invade my soul. Thank you for the breakthrough. 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 I pray for people, Lord, who are going through incredible adversity today. I pray that the reality of your presence, the reality of your word, the reality of your spirit would be felt tangibly by these people today. I thank you that they will be led by your light. They'll be led by your presence. Father, touch them, fill them, overflow them this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus. For that, we give you the glory and the praise now and forevermore in Jesus' name. Just while every eyes closed, perhaps, just want to give people an opportunity just to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. I said that we've got to focus in on that hope. Jesus is your hope. He's the hope of your salvation. He's the hope that you have of eternal life. And maybe you've never given your heart to Him this morning. And you're looking for hope. You're looking for something the light at the end of the tunnel. You're looking for strength. You're looking for peace. You're looking for health. You've looked in every other place, but today you found yourself here and you need that hope. You need Jesus. I want to tell you that all your problems don't go away just because you're a Christian. In fact, they're probably going to be compounded because now people will think of you differently because you're a Jesus believer. But I want to tell you, I'd rather have people pointing fingers at me and embracing Jesus than just pointing the finger at Jesus and embracing people. If you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've never opened your heart and said, Lord, I need you today. I need you to save me. I need the eternal life that you offer. 
But this morning, you're just sensing you've just got to do this. There's something you're, you're feeling in your heart that you need to do this. It's like a, a compulsion, maybe. I want you to put your hand up right where you're standing because I want to pray for you. I want to know who I'm praying for because we've got some great materials we'd love to give you to help you in this journey of faith. But if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, but today that you want to do that, just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. And I know who I'm praying for. Is there anybody here this morning you want to do that? Anybody at all? Maybe online. If you're looking at this online and you need Jesus, I pray for you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, invade these hearts, invade these people's lives with your love and your grace and your peace and your forgiveness, your mercy. Draw them by the power of your Holy Spirit in the wonderful name of Jesus.